Spin on Your Podcast, a monthly horror podcast brought to you by the Spinsters of Horror. This is the time once a month where Jess puts down her bloody knitting needles and I step away from the TV to discuss horror movies and sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. On this episode, we're going to reflect on the origins of our project, Spinsters of Horror, along with the journey that we have taken this far. We'll talk shop and answer some of your questions, so pick your poison and listen on if you dare. You're a witch. They were right. They usually are. All right. Oh, shit, Jess. It's been one year. Can you even believe it? It has been one year. (laughs) It's been, like, the quickest year I have ever, like, I just, I can't believe it's been a year already of all of this, of everything, of life. (laughs) Tell me about it. The fact that it's the end of July, I also can't believe that. That's insane. That is insane. But since my birthday is over, I can now say, yay, it falls on its way. Fuck summer. I guess that's like your moment of like transition or like, and now I'm getting close to fall and Halloween and everything. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. Like now I'm like on Twitter or like Facebook being like, yeah, I'm ready to post these. Like it's almost Halloween <laughs> memes now, which is like driving everyone crazy because they're like, no, it's we still want summer and we hate you. And I'm like, sorry, guys. <laughs> well, we hate you because we hate summer. So, you know. Yeah. And my birthday is in October. So it ends up being my favorite month. Right? So... <laughs> Exactly right. October is uh, the best month ever. Birthday. I wish I was. I wish I, I was know, born. Right? It's Halloween month. <laughs> it's not just one day. It's a whole month. It's a whole Completely. month. Completely. So we've kind of decided to take this episode of I Spin Your Podcast and divide it into two portions. The first portion is going to be us discussing, you know, Spencers of Horror, the origins, our journeys you know, different aspects about the projects, you know, asking each other some questions, going in, going in deep and just talking about the project. And then part two is we're going to answer all the questions that folks on social media have said to us. And it's going to be called Let's Talk Horror because why not? We always talk about it in a very, you know, in the sense of like more serious manner, but this will be a more lighthearted episode. And we try to keep our episodes lighthearted anyway, but sometimes we get into some pretty deep topics um, that can be, you know, pretty serious. So so the origins of our podcast so if you and the project so if you listen to the very first episode um women love horror of i spin in your podcast we do go into this but it's always great to kind of revisit it and just talk more about it so originally jess actually had a different podcast and that didn't end up going well which is why she is in spinsters of horror so jess why don't you talk about (laughs) the dark spectrum a little bit so yeah, well, a couple. Oh my God, this is almost like four Shit. years ago. Yeah, you're right. It feels like that. So four years ago, I had finally realized I loved <laughs> horror, and in the sense of the fact that there was a period of time where I couldn't watch horror films because there, I just would get too into them and they're like you know and get too scared, and I would just like stay away from. It. I didn't want to see what's on screen, but I would read like horror stories and I would listen to like you know I, I had like I had such a thirst for it. 
And and in my you know in my history with Kelly, you know, every year we go and I watch a horror movie with her. That was like my once a year thing. Like I got to pick whatever horror movie I wanted to watch, and always would be something. Wait a cheesy. minute, did we ever tell the story of you watching Candyman for the Candy first Man? time? Was that in the nineties horror? That was in our first <laughs> okay. episode. That was that was in, that was in our very first it's episode. It's one of my favorite yes, stories. The, the so Candyman. Folks, listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it it just became. I, I was like, no, I really do like the horror genre. And at the same time, too, I had also stumbled upon the faculty of horror. And Andrew Subasati and Alex West, like, they changed my perspective on horror from, like, the very first episode of theirs. Talking, like, looking at horror from a very academic and very... Um, really well-informed standpoint about the horror genre and how it's just another form of commentary on our society and just in a more true in a very in my in a, how I feel to say more truthful and very brutal way and so I actually just listened to their podcast I just kept listening to episodes I'd be sitting there knitting or cross-stitching because I'm an old woman <laughs> and I <laughs> would just listen to the podcast and some of the movies most of the movies I hadn't seen but I'm like I want to see that movie I want to talk about horror this way and I would get so excited so I was like okay I'm gonna watch more horror movies I want I and I would see more horror movies and I would see these themes and I met someone at a Canada Day party who was also a huge fan of horror and we were having these really great conversations uh, he was more like a veteran of, he would call himself a veteran horror like he was really into a lot he watched like horror movies he collected them like he was really big into the genre so that was kind of like my gateway to be able to see some really great films and then over time after hanging out and watching movies together we're like let's do a podcast and so The Dark Spectrum was born and it was the premise was about a um a horror veteran showing the newbies the, the ropes. <laughs> We're gonna Damn say it. <laughs> We're gonna show the newbie the ropes. It was really great in the form that, in the sense that I got to really get to see some cult classics. Um, but there were creative differences, and over time, that project just kind of fell apart. But it still did not mean that I still was not even more entranced in the horror genre. And like, I was getting like academic books, I was reading articles, I was keeping up on all these other podcasts talk about horror and having a more academic approach to it. And so I knew when that project came to an end, I'm like, I still want to do something. I still want to continue talking about horror and I still want to add my voice to it. And then uh, I had moved, I was going through a separation and then I just sort of thought, Kelly, do you want to talk horror with me? Like, do you want to do a podcast and <laughs> let's talk horror together? And that's kind of like how I approached her with that saying, do, do you want to do this? Because I know like at the time she's like, I just enjoy it for, you know, passion and stuff like that. But I was like, are you ready to like share it with people? Especially because you were doing little mini reviews on Instagram of all the movies you were watching. Yes. Yes, I was. And yeah. um, just as a side note, going back to the dark spectrum, is there a way for people, because you are a fan favorite between both of us. So is there, uh, <laughs> is there a way for people to go back and listen to the dark spectrum? Honestly, I think so. I think there's still episodes up on um, iTunes and uh, SoundCloud, but I have to double check because essentially when I took over, like when I started The Spinces of Horror, I think I took a lot of that down. But I can't, I have to double right. check. I mean, even though sadly that ended, I mean, there's some really good material out there. So yes, I would say that if there is some aspect uh, out there some examples of your earlier work that people want might want to listen to. It'd be great to, to share that with everyone. I have a question with regards to that. So 
because I've wondered about this like throughout the last, you know, three, four years or whatever. So what was it about Matt that made you want to start that kind of horror project with him instead of me at that time? I don't know. Like at the time, I knew you were going mm. through a lot in your life. Like a lot of big changes had happened in your life. And so I wasn't sure. I didn't know really where you were at in terms of doing a project of this right. nature. And I, I know there was a couple of conversations we had had where you're like, no, I just like, I just watch horror mm-hmm. for fun. I don't want to like do something where I have to like analyze it and talk right. about it, you know, because that kind of takes away oh, from it. That me. sounds like me. Which is kind of, <laughs> which is kind of interesting because I kind of have a question for you leading <laughs> off of that point. And uh, it was just, you know, like, and Matt and I, when we met, we just have some really good uh, conversations and we both were, you know, very passionate about it. I'm just like, you know, we should just start a podcast. And at the time, the premise was interesting. I was like, oh, you know, I'm a newbie. He's a veteran. He's showing me the ropes and I get to, you know, we get to enjoy horror films together. So that was kind of like where I was at at the time of doing it. And also, too, like. I was also very new at the podcasting world. I had no idea what I was doing. I had to do so much research and so much like learning how to edit and stuff like totally. that. So I feel like this was a better time mm-hmm. now for mm-hmm. us to do this project than it right. was then. That's fair. I mean, it probably it came up probably like in a moment, totally organically. And honestly, I do think that that premise was a really, really great idea. And it's just, it's, it's kind of just too bad that it didn't work out. But... Since it didn't work out, it led to this, which I think overall is the better project. But I might be biased. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So before we really get further into it, this leads me to the one question I have to ask is, how do you look at watching horror movies now in comparison to how you watched them before, Spinsters? My main interest in horror is still from a fascination and interest in entertainment, and horror being mm. used as a creative element. But only in the last, like, three, four years, maybe five years, I have terrible memory, but really in the last handful of years, let's say, have I really just read more about the genre and and know and can articulate how smart it is. And, you know, watching it for 25 years, I'm sure in my brain somehow I did notice these things, but did I really think about them? No. I still come at it in the fact that I love it as entertainment, but I also secondarily love it because it is such social commentary. There's a lot of themes. And now, Mm. because of all the research and everything I've been doing and the reading the last few years, I do notice them without even thinking about it sometimes, which I think is neat. It's a wonderful skill to have. And I'm glad to be able to not only look at them critically, but also still enjoy them from an entertainment point of view. So it's been mm. very helpful. And I was going to mention this in our in our horror journey, but what I thought about recently, actually, and which was kind of my... A really important moment to me, kind of like that aha moment, was probably about four or five years ago. I I had this Joss Whedon companion book that I've had forever. And there's a lot of, you know, academic articles and everything throughout it. And I started reading it one night on a night shift in the ICU. And overall, I wasn't really understanding so much what I was reading. I knew it was interesting, but I didn't really understand it because I hadn't been trained to understand how to read these types of things because I have a vet technician degree. I didn't go to university. I'm, I haven't been taught how to think. Essentially, I know how to do my job really well. 
but it's not an incredibly like intellectually, mentally challenging career. So recently for the Buffy episode in that Buffy month, I opened that book up again to, to read about it. And there's a section about Illyria. So Illyria is um, a character in the Angel TV series. And there's this whole article. I didn't read it, but I bookmarked it for a later time. All about the monstrous feminine and Illyria. Yeah. And four or five years ago, I would not have understood what I'm reading. And now when I read articles... I can understand so much more of it. And for me, as someone that probably has a self-diagnosed inferiority complex, and I don't think I'm super smart, the fact that I've been able to read and actually understand things in the last, specifically in the last year, because we're just doing so much research in it, uh, reading all the time, it was actually a really important moment for me. And I thought, you know, you know, accomplishment, you know, achieved. Goal achieved. (laughs) Achievement unlocked. That's the fucking thing I was going for. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I I have to agree with you. I think I was actually thinking about that today myself, too, in the sense of I don't find, like, I do find there's elements in the horror movies that scare me, but they don't scare me as much as they used to because when I'm watching a film, I'm thinking about it critically. Like, I'm just sitting there being like, huh, that's an interesting way to portray such and such of this. Or, you know, this is interesting how this character is acting out this type of role. So I was like, I don't know. Like, I still enjoy horror films, but I get... I just don't feel like they scare me. Well, I'm now I'm saying this now, but someone uh-huh. then someone's gonna be like challenge accepted and try and find the scariest horror film for Jessica. That's my job. Which That's is my what job, I do. That's Kelly. Yeah, Kelly's job. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So when we we were I like visited Jess over a year ago, and we decided to yes do this project together, and we decided on the name which Jess came up with, and a logo. That is yep. so fucking brilliant, and I oh think God. about it, and I am obsessed with it all the time. Fucking so love her our and I were like, has to have cats. There should be a skull, and hey, it's about we're called spinsters of horror. Let's have some knitting needles in there as well. <laughs> and we just brought that to Jess Hersick, the amazing woman that created our logo, and she created that amazing logo. And oh it my was, God, yeah. it was amazing. And for me, I was just I was ready for a hobby. You're right. At the time of the dark spectrum, there was some some dark years in my life at that time and it was not a good time so I don't even know if I would have been into it but I was always curious about that so in the beginning of Spinsters of Horror because I didn't have any experience but just had project and podcast experience so where did you see Spinsters of Horror going or what did you want to achieve with it with your previous podcast experience what do you mean what did I want to achieve with it like well, with the dark spectrum, you didn't have a lot of followers. Like, there wasn't a lot of promotion oh, with it. Yeah. Like, you just had the podcast. And I think you did it once every two weeks, right? Yeah, we did. We did an episode so every two, intense. every other week. No, every, <laughs> I can't even every imagine. Two, fuck. We did two podcasts a month, right? So. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So, what we're like, so that, you know, that project ended so yeah what did in your mind did you want to do with spinsters that perhaps was different than the dark spectrum uh well definitely wanted more of a following as we know i am not the biggest social media person um i am <laughs> yeah, i'm the fan the, favorite i i am the quiet one i'm like the pokeroo of the spinsters guys like that is literally uh I work behind i work behind the sh- i work behind the shadows it's like i'm like from the i'm like the what's a 
I'm the wizard from Wizard of Oz. Don't pay attention to the person behind the shadows. <laughs> the curtain. Every, and then every so often, Kelly yells at me to get on social media. Get on yeah. there and say hi to people. <laughs> <laughs> Interact. <laughs> Interact, yeah. So I definitely wanted more of a following. I wanted people to see the work that we put into you know it's because it it is a lot of work that we spend a whole month thinking about like we think about a topic so we think of ideas we do research we you know I spend like I'll spend like an eight hour day sitting at my computer editing a podcast and crafting it crafting uh, crafting in such a way that (laughs) my witchy power is in there to uh put it out there and for people to enjoy and so that was just really I just wanted to add my voice to the horror community. I wanted to have my opinions about the horror genre being heard as well. And yeah, that was kind of really where I wanted to see it. I honestly did not expect the reception that we have gotten the last year. It has been mind-blowing. Like, mind-blowing. I, I like I still I still get emotional every once in a while when I'll be like, you know, doing groceries or something, and I'll be like, and Kelly will send me like a snapshot of something that would happen on Twitter or something, and I'll be like, oh my God this is amazing like thank you guys thank you so much yes uh you know i have now i am now thinking that jess is definitely the the heart of this project she is she's very moved all the time by the comments and the followers and you know all of the listens on our podcast you know that we can see on soundcloud and whatnot and she she's she's very empathetic and she's very lovely and she oh, you guys move her daily so thank you very much <laughs> yeah you do you do but really like at the end of the day well like you're also the person who drives our podcast like gets us out there and is like you're <laughs> right like i may be the heart but you're like the brain you're like okay well heart it's great that you feel all those things and want all those things but we gotta do some things let's get things done <laughs> that's very true you know which kind of leads into the fact that i think we have a really wonderful dynamic in the sense mm-hmm. that jess and i both have incredible work ethic so like we both we can trust that our shit will get done when it needs to get done you know, yeah. it's challenging to work with other people because not everybody has such a strong work ethic and we really do and we don't have any worries that work is not going to get done. You know what I mean? Yes, I may poke Jess to be a bit more on social media, but, you know, it's not a big deal. She's out there when she wants to be and that's fine. I don't mind doing it more. It's <laughs> not a big deal, you know. And over the past year, you know, as you listen to our episodes of the podcast and you read more about us and you see us kind of interact online and whatnot... You'll see that there's many similarities, there's many differences, like, I'm a skeptic, she's a believer, you know, she's a spiritual witch, I am an atheist, I come from a science background, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, like, favorite horror subgenres are different. Movies, we, you know, come together and like a lot of the same movies, but also don't like a lot of the same movies. So I think we have this kind of, like, nice blend of similarities and differences that make for a pretty strong dynamic. On top of, like, 20 years of friendship as well. Totally. Like, right? That's kind of yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to get into a little bit of uh, Spencer's After Dark and Let's Scare Jessica to Death. So one month after, I believe, it was in August, I thought, 
You know, I love oh, yeah. references and riffs on movie titles, as you can tell by I Spit on Your Podcast. <laughs> yep, yep. That was also, yeah, that was also Kelly's yeah. idea for yeah. our podcast name. We share a lot of ideas, you know, we've thought yep. of a lot of different things, which is really great. We share a lot of that kind of creative content and work for it. So I love references. And <laughs> uh, so I was like, let's scare Jessica down. Also, that's fucking perfect because your name's Jessica, right? So yeah. it's so, so good. So I thought... Let's go back to, like, the old days of me showing you movies to kind of broaden your horizons, challenge you a little bit, maybe scare you, may horrify you, maybe just make you uncomfortable. Because that's one of the main things I love about horror is that it can scare and make people really uncomfortable in many, many ways. <laughs> so I that's decided true. to start, and she was a, such a trooper, uh, let's scare Jessica to death. <laughs> yep. Uh, do you have any favorite movies from the last, I guess it's been like 11 to 12 months of, of movies? Oh my goodness. It was funny because too, I was just the other day looking at the films. So my favorite films have been um, Antichrist, which really surprised me. And it, <laughs> everyone will remember the reaction I gave when Kelly like announced that. I was like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? Oh my god. Like, I listened to the Faculty of Horror episode on this. I'm just like, yeah. I'm never gonna see this movie. No fucking way. And then Kelly is like, this is your challenge. I was like, god damn it. She knows me. She knows there's a part of me that wants to see it. So she's like, put it out there being like, there's your challenge. We're like, fuck. Have to beat the challenge. So yep. I'm glad I watched it. Mm. Um, it is actually a really good it was actually a really good film about femininity about witches mm -hmm. you know um, a representation of witches in film and yeah uncomfortable things but yeah there's uncomfortable things about being a woman sometimes we have to watch those things so to understand that Raw mm. ended up being one of my favorite films uh, of the watch God. another one that I was just like Jesus Christ Kelly like yeah I know <laughs> that was a double month too <laughs> that was a double month where I technically did not make my challenge but no. I did watch Trouble Every Other Trouble Every Day yeah. is it yeah I literally watched it like two days after I missed the deadline so I did see it I did watch it and it yeah. was actually a good film as well I it was really I was really impressed by it those are the three that really stick out in my mind that's fair. Like, I know I watched, like, The Exorcist 3. That was good. I saw Christine. That was meh. Mm -hmm. um, Orphan was an interesting film. I didn't... Or was it the, no, no The Orphanage. Not, no. The Orphanage, yes. The Orphanage, yeah. Yeah, The Orphanage. <laughs> Finally oh, yeah. saw The Grudge. Yeah. Hatchet was hilarious. It was actually not what I expected <laughs> it at all. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the most recent one, Chained. Oh, I'm so... Oh, God. He brought up Chained. So, if anybody watched Jess's reaction, I was pretty heartbroken. And I now know that I cannot do serial killer movies as challenges. And that's fine. Now I know. <laughs> and, and, you know, in fair, like, and that's fair enough. And fair and... In fairness for Kelly, she didn't know that because I didn't know that as well. Like, Yeah. And you know, when it comes down to it, I realize that we never actually really, we've never had this conversation where you said you liked or disliked serial killer movies. So I just, you know, I thought, you know, it was fair game because we, we never really talked about it. Like, I know you know that I really enjoy yeah. true crime, but and I love serial killer movies. So it, uh, yeah. But also, folks, if you haven't seen it, Jesus Christ. It, it is a. It's, it's gonna hit you hard. Film. It really is. There's not a lot of, 
actual on-screen violence and gore. It's mm-hmm. and sometimes that's even worse than actually seeing it. It's all of in your imagination. You just fucking know what's going on behind those closed doors, and it's very emotional and impa- emotionally impactful and incredibly acted. And it's a wonderful movie, and I do recommend folks seeing it. But be warned. Be warned. Be warned. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then we have our Spencer's After Dark. So we wanted to do, that was a relative recent thing that we just kind of just wanted to do something and engage with our followers and our friends and our supporters and whatever, and just kind of like get out there and do some fun stuff. So we still have some fun stuff to plan and we do plan to continue doing monthly events. So, you know, keep your eyes and ears posted and keep your eyes and ears open to, to hear more about it. But I, we thought that that was, that would be a really wonderful way for us to engage with everyone and have a good time, you know? We spend a lot of time, you know, researching and being analytical, um, and this is a time for us kind of just to relax and have fun with everyone. All right, we're going to do our top three podcast episodes, which I think is, I find, I do really find it challenging. <laughs> it is, yeah. I'm going to say everyone fucking knows this one. That is my favorite. So episode three, Vampiric Sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> represented what we could do with this project generally speaking it's a really fun one but I really love the research that we had for it it was really interesting and I was really happy to explore vampires as a whole female and male vampires and then the history of and like the um, film representations of them and it was just a really fun fucking thirsty episode so (laughs) I just I had a really good time with it then there's this editing failure on Jess's part but turned to be a, turned out to be the most hilarious thing where I go off for like three minutes straight about sexy vampires and that was supposed to be you know cut out yeah cut out because I went on for too long but it's hilarious so if you haven't it, listened to that episode please do it is a great it is a great episode yeah, I had a hard time narrowing down to my three episodes as well, because uh, I do, like, episode three is actually a lot of fun. I think that was a night, too, where I had a little bit too much wine, and oh, I was just yeah. like, ah. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Vampires! Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But for one of my first one, my first my first favorite is episode four, Witches and Female Empowerment, which was Season of the Witch and Autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, so, yeah, which was, I don't know, for everyone, quite obvious. I, um, I as a self-identifying witch, I really love watching anything that has um, representation of witches in cinema and typically like to talking about the idea of female empowerment in connection with the witch. So I had a lot of fun, you know, watching those movies again and talking about and getting to talk to about them. And that's one of where I, I would like to say, like, that's my favorite. That's fair. I've been, I was listening to it today and... It is great. There's a lot of good information. Those movies were so absolutely fascinating to to look at and to watch. And they were both they were both first time watches for me. So I welcome you know first time watches. Like I love watching movies. So that was a really great time. My next one I'd have to say is episode ten, cosmic horror. Okay. Um. Well, I have like three next ones. I don't know. That's that was definitely one that stood out to me uh, personally because. I think, again, by this, by episode 10, I think we've really found our stride in how we want to structure the podcast, you know, having a good, you know, balance of banter and discussion and research and everything kind of combined. And 
I really loved those movies. I loved learning about John Carpenter and it was a really eye-opening experience for me because as if you listen to it, I didn't know that much about Lovecraft and Lovecraftian film and what that all means. So it was just so wonderful. And I think you can hear a lot of like fascination and passion in, in us uh, throughout that episode. Yeah. And honestly, like I have to say the same. So for my second episode, it was uh, episode, episode eight on uh, pet cemetery. Mm. Sometimes dead mm-hmm. is better. Mm-hmm. It was like, I felt the same way about that episode as you feel about episode 10. Like we were really into that episode and talking about, you know, the idea of the difference between, you know, feeling like how we deal with grief, how the horror genre deals with death and grief, how we deal with it differently when it comes to humans versus pets. Yeah. And, you know, just uh, talking about just uh, the great work of uh, both Stephen King and, um, oh my God, I'm blanking. Mary Lambert. Mary Lambert, yeah, and her work and her her ability to be able to bring his his vision of that book onto the screen, right? I haven't seen the new Pet Cemetery yet, have you? That was also on my list. It is, it's been really hard. I mean, I try to be as objective and non-biased, but... Um, I was also listening to that today because Jess and I are putting together like a best of reel to enter our podcast into Blood in the Snow's new best podcast, best Canadian podcast. Mm-hmm. So yep. I'm listening to some older episodes and I also love it. Not only did I love, I love those movies, our discussion again, and at that, at that point, I think we also really got our stride and it's just really interesting. And then recently with the passing of Andrew, who was the gourmet, if anybody knows him, he was a columnist for a long time with Rue Morgue, and his column, The Gourmet, was my favorite in Rue Morgue magazine for many years, and I honestly think the magazine is lacking now with um, the loss of his column, which was removed, I think he stopped doing it maybe about two years ago, and So thinking about death and grief, you know, we as horror fans watch death constantly. Mm -hmm. And some people might think that that makes us desensitized to, to death. And maybe for some it does, but I think for myself personally, it makes me the exact opposite. Whereas, you know, we can rationalize and understand that death in horror movies is completely fake, you know, but we see it all the time. And I think when it then when it happens in real life with human beings that you know, it just I almost feel like it hits you a little bit harder. And I know for me it does. Like how often do we as human beings experience actual human death? If you're not a medical professional that sees dead people all the time, you know yeah. what I mean. Um, but if you're a regular person going about your life, you don't actually experience human death that often. And I just find for myself personally, it just hits me a little bit harder. And when I heard about the death of this gentleman, I, I feel like, you know, I, I realized that he had much more influence on me than I had realized. I used to go to his panels all the time. I loved them at Fan Expo, Rumorks Festival of Fear. And he actually was quite inspirational to me in my new project, which we'll talk about later. Long-winded and long-winded thing, but it's just... I think that was also a really great episode, and I look at human death uh, definitely differently than maybe other people that are not horror fans. Yeah. For me, I'll say my next one, and you know, I try to 
trying to be as objective, but <laughs> episode 11, Buffy, you know, it's... Oh, okay, yeah. I was so excited to do that one because I love that show so much. I do think objectively it is a really great, fun episode. I know it's one of our longer ones, but it was really fun to do. You know, it's long, but it's not all, like, full analysis. You know, we have a lot of just... We share our passion for that incredibly influential show, and I think it was such a great episode, and I was so excited to do it because I fucking love that show. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. It, yeah, it may have been one of our longer episodes, but we got to really get into talking to a lot about our favorite elements of that TV series and how impactful it was for both of us. Well both Kelly it. in her early years and Jessica in her later years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for myself, uh, my favorite episode, and I know it may, well, not really a surprise to some people, but because I announced it earlier, I think last week, but episode five. So yeah, rape, revenge, genre, is it feminist or filth? And... One of the reasons why that is one of my favorite episodes is because that was a hard month for me altogether. Um, a, having to watch some really hard films, like watching I Spit on Your Podcast. I Spit on Your Podcast. <laughs> oh, gosh. Watching I Spit on Your Grave for the first time, American Mary, um, MFA. That's I was going to watch month. Revenge, but then I got... There was too much. I had I had taken in too much of that, of that genre. And... Um, at the same time, too, I've also, while it was a hard month in doing my research, and I also found it was also kind of a bit of a healing month for me because I was able to talk more about my experience, um, and I wrote that blog post about um, what it's like to be a survivor of sexual um, abuse or assault or rape, and uh, it allowed for me to kind of continue on that journey and come out and add my voice to it and also talk about a really controversial genre which is you know people still talk about today as something that's controversial but I see where it has its benefits to the horror genre that's amazing and which is a great segue into us talking about that a little bit more uh in depth because on and it actually was your idea to tackle that And, you know, for our project, we planned six months or more in advance. And that was episode five. Five. That was five five, months in. Right? So when we planned, we got, we organized and put this whole project together and decided to plan our first six months. And you were the one that said, why don't we do rape revenge? And I was really shocked. I wasn't really sure if we'd ever touch on it, but definitely not this soon into it because I I didn't even know how to approach that subject with you because I know that was not something you had ever really watched before. So I was really surprised that right away you're like, yeah, let's do rape revenge in the first six months. Yeah, I'm always up for it. That is a genre that I really enjoy. So I, I was up for it. Yeah, well, especially, too, because I know that, like, take the Faculty of Horror, for example, they didn't do Rape Revenge until almost, like, four years into their podcast, and I know that it's, you know, a lot of people, it is a genre that they don't really touch upon until much later on, I guess, until you, I guess until you have, like, your audience built and people kind of get to know you and you feel comfortable with talking about that, but I don't know, at the same time, too, with, like, the social climate that we're in, I was just kind of like, we need to talk about this. Yeah, this is hard for me to bring up, hard for me to talk about, but we're in a social climate right now. Like, 
you know, thank goodness we're in Canada, but at the same time too, though, regardless of where we're at, this shit still happens. This happens, and it needs to be talked about, and we need to keep talking about it, and we need to end rape culture. Like, it just... We can't be afraid to address these subjects, especially as women. Like, especially as women, we need to be talking about this and having our voices heard. I completely agree. And if you look at it, you know, how many actual horror projects and horror podcasts and everything approach this subject ever? You know, and with my research, because before, you know, once we started this project, I was like, I'm going to research all these different pro- all these different horror podcasts and kind of see what I like and what I dislike and going through their you know, their episodes and, and everything. And that, you don't come across that one often. So for me, I was ready to approach it anytime. And I think it was a really amazing kind of turning point for this project because it showed that we are not afraid to talk about controversial or challenging or taboo subjects. And especially as women, we are not afraid to talk about these things and we understand and recognize the importance of it. And I was all for it. And our response to that episode was incredible. I remember having some trepidation on letting on releasing that podcast episode being like, okay, like we've we've recorded, we've been talking about it all month. We're going to really release it. I just remember being like, I remember having a moment being like, maybe this is too soon. Maybe we are like, we're going to put this out there. And we're just going to kill our audience. They're going to be like, what the hell? Like, why are you doing this? But I was like, nope. Send. <laughs> Upload. This yeah. needs to go out. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing it. And, and especially with the response to your, your blog post. And as a new project, I mean, we ended up touching a lot of people's lives Giving them the strength, you know, we have Jen from the Horror Virgin, who we love and adore. Yes. And, you know, she even said recently that was her favorite episode of her podcast because it in itself gave her the strength to release her own story. And, you know, I just, I, I, you know, I almost don't even have words to, to describe how wonderful that was for such a brand new project that we released, I think we released something that was pretty balanced and a wonderful analysis of a very challenging subject and a challenging subgenre. And I'm very proud of it as well. I don't know why it didn't come up necessarily in my favorites list. Maybe because I kind of, not that I don't love it. And that was, that was a hard month. And honestly, folks, I thought that maybe I had broken Jess a little bit. There's been a few <laughs> times in the last year that I thought that Jess has been broken. But you know what? <laughs> Jess is really strong and she comes back time and time again, even stronger and better than ever. So Aww, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> Getting me all emotional. We're not even halfway through this episode. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> cool ass thing we keep doing and yeah so we're gonna talk a bit about our horror journey as individual horror fans through the spinsters of horror um for me you know i mentioned my big accomplishment which was like three to four years ago i wouldn't have understood what i'm reading now on a day-to-day basis which i think is really important to me as you know as a horror fan and i think overall i mean being a horror fan of 25 years it uh I don't, I guess I, like, if I think of it comparatively, my journey isn't as 
vast and introspective and as interesting as, as Jess's is. Um, but I'm just really, I've been really excited to look at horror in a more kind of critical lens at the same time, still being able to enjoy it from um, an entertainment creative kind of outlet for for folks so it's been pretty interesting for me how about you jess i do have i have like a variety of questions oh my gosh (laughs) mainly my very first one is so how do you feel now being a full-fledged horror fan and obviously a complete convert to the genre how does it feel now yeah because you know like you said before and that i know of you like years and years and years ago you used to just really watch, like, the black and white horror from, like, the 20s, 30s, 40s. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I used to, like, buy you movies. I'm like, here's, like, this 100 horror movie yeah. box set that's all, like, Bella Lugosi. And They'll have that. <laughs> it's amazing. And I think everyone should watch those old movies and see where horror originated from. But, like, that was kind of you. And then you've come so far. So, and you're, like, truly converted. And you're understanding that horror is a lifestyle and you're full you fully embraced it it feels good it feels good to be like actually like embracing what i love and not like and not hiding it because i think it's weird or because other people will find it weird that i like that um i do find a bit of a struggle to find other people in ottawa who like horror and like want to talk and watch it with me like I enjoy spending time with, like, my friends and my partners, but they don't want to watch horror movies with me all the time. So I've been kind of struggling with trying to watch more, which is really interesting being someone like, I love horror films, I need to watch a bunch more horror films, and I still find that struggle that I'm not watching them all. However, my library has exploded. Like, I have a huge, like, I went from, like, having, like, this little shelf on, like, my bookcase of, like, a couple horror films, like, you know, like Kelly said, like, all the uh, stuff from, like, the 1920s to, like, the 50s, and then a bunch of Vincent Price. Now I've got, like, four Ikea bookcases just full (laughs) of, like, movies that I've seen or that I've, like, picked up because I've heard something really good about it, but I haven't watched it yet. And so sometimes it, like, it feels great, but sometimes it feels overwhelming because I'm just like, how am I going to be able to watch all this? (laughs) (laughs) And you won't. There's so much media to indulge in that it's kind of crazy so yeah it's intense it is yeah. intense. and because and when you're a horror fan you end up being a horror collector be that's just i feel like that's just part and parcel of how it is your movie collection is going to be huge and honestly yeah. unless maybe you're like a super film buff how many other people that enjoy movies because like we all like movies fine but have the extensive collections that horror fans have. You tell me. I am going to eat your soul and shit. It's Albus, Nikki! Thought you only murdered boys. I go both ways. Another question for you, Jess. Um, How have some of your impressions on the genre changed over the past year? Any big kind of aha moments, like my kind of whatever fucking accomplishment achieved. What is it? (laughs) An achievement unlocked. God damn it. I'm not nerdy enough. Um, So any of those types of moment, like moments that kind of stood out to you in the past year at all? Yes. But I don't want to, I don't want to like reveal some of these because they're future (laughs) blog posts. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. People will forget. Just maybe like briefly. It has to do with demonic possession and femininity. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I know we've had conversations about this before, and Ian brought it up in your review of uh, on Witch Trap. On Witch Trap. Witch Board. Witch Board. Yep. God damn it, Jessica. Witch Trap is though, like kind of like the unofficial sequel <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> of that film. So I'm not completely off. Yeah. But um, I, I just remember thinking about the conversation we had. I remembered like I had just finished reading the the second book, The Exorcist. Um, Legion, and mm-hmm. I was really thinking, just thinking about like demonic possession, and I was thinking about how a lot of times it gets associated with uh, with women, and t- t- typically like female sexuality and stuff like that. Yeah, I so I am going to be having a future blog post coming out <laughs> about female sexuality. Yeah, you know the orgasm and how it can be construed as like kind of like demonic possession, right? Because I notice in a lot of a lot of demonic films, when you see a woman being possessed, there's a lot of grinding, there's a lot of sexual things happening when, yep. in their possession, stuff like that. So it's really interesting. And I feel like yeah. that was like kind of like aha moments. And I yeah. feel like I get a lot of those aha moments in the sense of watching horror and my experience as a woman and things that happen, right? Yeah. Like I had that aha moment when I was going through this you know, one of the reasons why I wrote that whole post on reproductive rights in Alien, because I myself was going through hell, virtual hell, trying yeah. to do with uh, an IUD issue, so, yeah. right? And I'm like, yeah. this should not be so fucking hard. I know, it's kind of ridiculous. And, you know, as a brief point to your blog post, some of your most amazing posts and, and pieces have been when they're so deeply personal and you, when you can relate your personal real life experiences to horror, I think that's really where your your strength lies because, you know, that's very real. Horror, if you look at it in a certain way, in a different way, other than being enter- purely entertainment, there's a lot of realism in it. Just in, It's just full of symbolism and metaphors. So if you tear that away, there's an incredible amount of, of reality built around it and in it. And I think that's what can make horror so strong and then make your blog post so wonderful thank you yes i i will agree yeah and i think that's why and i've read this in other like in books like barbara creed and stuff like that when they talk about the female experience and horror it's like yes this is real like i get that why we like why the female experience is horrific so yeah we gotta hope like women enjoy the horror genre because that's a reason that's the reason why completely come <laughs> so I have a question for you. Yes, please. So, so through this journey of this project, what have you found to be so, something that's surprisingly your strength that you weren't aware of? My strength? Oh boy, in this horror journey. Journey? Why am I French? Yeah. My horror journey in the past year. My strength? I guess I'd have to say more of a spinsters of horror journey over specifically just horror journey. I think one of my strengths is the ability to be unabashedly, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Unabashedly unafraid of pretty much anything. You know, I am not afraid to promote us at every turn. I'm not afraid to approach people. I'm not afraid to put myself out there. I'm not afraid to put my work out there my work which you know has gotten much more serious in the last few months and mm-hmm. yep just my general fearlessness overall which stems from just my general life because in life I'm not very fearful of anything so it uh, I think overall yeah essentially my fearlessness and I think that's pretty inspiring like and that's why I say to you like 
the reason I feel like the reason why this project has gotten so much recognition is because you're not afraid to be like, hey, we're the spinsters. We got shit to say. Listen, <laughs> listen up. <laughs> That's true. As I tear up. And Aww. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, man. I'm also, you know, so it, it helps that I'm on social media a little bit more because I'll scroll through Twitter and I'll notice like, I need podcast recommendations. I'm like, and here we are. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. Yeah. And that is a very just like open ended thing. And like that person is just like, yeah, that's great. You know, they may never even like us or follow us or listen to us, but I catch these things regularly and I'm not afraid to promote us because I'm very proud of who we are as individuals, as who we are as a project and as women and as spinsters and everything. So, yeah. Amazing. Oh. Amazing. Thanks, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No, thank you, Kelly. <laughs> Will we be seeing any more dark decor in the future? Yes. Yes. So, dark decor has been a bit of a... It's been an up and down area for me um, because over the past year, as people have known or would know, I went through a separation, I went through a divorce, um, I struggled with depression, and I was having a lot of hard time finding joy in the things that I loved. And one of the things was my crafting. That That was a big struggle for me to really just try and keep up with things monthly to get things out there. But over the last couple of months, I've had, you know, my, my divorce is finalized. My, oh, you know, life is, yeah. <laughs> Big old clap. I'm so happy yeah. for you. My, my life is moving forward in very positive ways. My, I have had friends come and they helped me change up my space because I needed, I needed a better space for me to work in terms of doing the crafts. And so that, you know, when I did the Jason mask back in June, that was like the first time doing a craft in the new space. And then, um, as anyone see, as we've seen, like I was able to do a cross stitch. So yeah, so I'm hoping my goal is to really get more crafting back in my life because it is something I really enjoy a lot. And I, I miss miss making like little fun, dark things around my apartment. I have a bunch of stuff I have to fix because, you know, (laughs) I have cats and they can be jerks, (laughs) but yeah, there will be, there will be some stuff coming of the future. Excellent. I'm really happy about that because you're so great and the stuff is so adorable. So it's great. We're not going to talk about uh, our new projects. Yeah, because we always want to keep working. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we just kind of thought, you know, we had a really big meeting and we thought, you know, we've now had this project for a year. It's quite solidified. So how can we kind of enhance it? upgrade it, kind of bring it down to a deeper level now that we've explored so much through our horror journeys and everything as individuals, as horror fans, and as women, as everything, and what can we do to kind of just deeper, dig deeper into ourselves and to the horror genre, so we are doing some new mm-hmm. things, and uh, I'll start with mine, which is Taboo Terrors which I launched the other day, and my very first piece for it is going to be a review, and it'll be out on Sunday, which by the time you listen to this, it'll already be out. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, as a fan of, you know, general horror, but gore and violence and taboo subjects like necrophilia, rape revenge, um, just revenge overall, just like anything that is you know, nasty and weird, macabre, downright just fucking weird. You know what I mean? It's it's something that I've always enjoyed 
out of the horror genre because, you know, horror can shock, disgust, and horrify you and scare you. And I like the shock and disgust aspect of it as well as the scare and the spook factor of it. So... I'm going to be, you know, delving deep into a lot of the subjects or at least the the artwork, the art, the the movies that we probably would never do as a Spencer's of Horror project and a podcast. So you'll see stuff like Necromantic, a Serbian film, Sallow, and any kind of weird shit that I can find and, you know, analyze and review and look into. You might see some filmmaker spotlights, some editorial pieces. I already have my brains churning. I've got some ideas and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, no, it's pretty awesome. And like I said, these are going to be reviews that are not for the faint of heart. So I still have to read them because it's part of our process. <laughs> <laughs> she gets to edit it and she's like, well, that's fucked. I'm like, yes, yeah. yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> My first one was a strong one. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Everyone... I wish you luck. Yeah, good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you up to, Jess? Uh, so for myself, I've decided I wanted to make uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death a more permanent, prominent feature on our website. Uh, so I, like, as we know, Kelly sends out that challenge, and I usually do uh, like a Twitter response or an I, mostly an Instagram story response before and after I watch the film, and usually when I get the initial reaction, like when I see my initial challenge, I give a reaction. So those are still going to happen. However, I've decided to add on kind of like a a catalog of all the films that Kelly has gotten me to watch and kind of like a response, like my a little brief, like how I felt about that film to give kind of like not like a rating or uh, there's no rating system. I'm not like going to be like how many scares it. I'm literally just going to give you my impression. Like this is what I thought of this film. It was great. It wasn't great. There's going to be some Jessica-isms in them. Is that something I just made up? (laughs) Please do. Uh, Yeah, so that I wanted to make more of a permanent feature on the website so people can go back and, you know, see, like, all the films that Kelly has got me to watch and maybe something that you guys may want to see as well. And then the other thing is I've kind of decided to continue on my journey in writing movie reviews. So I'm no longer going to do two blog posts a month. I'm going to do a movie review that I'm going to look at films that, A, have representation of witches in cinema, which I think is a very interesting subject and one that's really close to my heart. And I'm also going to start talking about queer cinema because um, as a bisexual woman, I think queer representation in horror films is very important. And I think I was really inspired by Rugmore's Moore's latest issue that really focused on that. And, you know, the Gaylords of Darkness, there's quite a uh, fry gay, like, you know, just really want to get more of... Um, queer elements and look more into those films because that's actually something that I have not actually explored myself so that will be completely new to me and then I'm also going to try and start working on my first editorial so a lot of my blog (laughs) (laughs) Kelly's Kelly's been after me for an entire year and so I've decided that one of the reasons why I'm going the route with only doing one blog post a month is because I want to put more depth into them and put more work into them and kind of gear them to so that I could have my first editorial so hopefully my goal is to one day be able to say like yeah if you want to read something of mine it's in Grimm Magazine which is like the ultimate right now (laughs) (laughs) so essentially we have to get Jess published I've been trying to do it for a while. I think this is going to be the year. 
but you know, I'm I'm going to be poking her a lot yeah. to 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 do that yeah. because it's definitely a feasible, achievable goal. You just gotta you know do it. Yeah. You gotta get out there. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so this next year is going to be us just delving deeper into ourselves personally and expressing it and just looking into horror on a deeper, more personal level. I think, and I think that'll help us. It's going to make us an even more well-rounded project and I'm really excited. Yeah, because like something like with Kelly doing Taboo Terror is when she approached me with this idea, I'm like, yes, this is brilliant because <laughs> not many women will say, I like some of the goriest shit in the, on, on horror. Like, that is not something that people I know come out and say that. They like that. Like, it's kind of almost like a dirty secret. <laughs> totally. I mean, as we know, women love horror. Yeah. There's tons of female horror fans. There's tons of many different types of people that are horror fans. Yep. And, you know, I'm sure there are other women that also like these weird and wacky and macabre and fucked up, weird-ass, gory, fucked movies. <laughs> that was not articulate. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But we're out there, and let's be proud of it. That's okay. So, let us continue talking horror and answer some questions posed to us from social media. Excellent. Let's talk horror. Part two of the podcast. Part two. Part two. So we got a good variety of different questions, mainly from Nicholas, who's a huge fan and supporter of us. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you. So much. So much content. So I'll read the first one and then you're well. How about you respond first? Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So he asked, what horror films had the biggest personal impact on you? Not like your fave, but like after watching, you changed something in your life because of it. All right. Well, there's four films that really have impacted wow. my life. So I, of course, will say, and I was reminded about this in our very first episode or second episode, is oh. The Craft, obviously. Mm. I saw that when I was younger, it, it and it did change my life. It opened up the concept of witchcraft to me more in depth in the way that I, I was just, it was very empowering. And that that film always stuck with me. But in the recent years, uh, three really important films to me that I know everyone says like, oh, it's like your fave, The Witch. No, no, it is one of my favorites, but it's one of my favorites because it it did change my life. It was a film that I saw at a time that I was was completely moved by it when I watched it at Kelly's Place. It helped (laughs) me to really embrace my own identification as a witch really from there that journey just started for me like it just I just jumped right into it um MFA well Rape Revenge Month that film like that film broke me but in a good way like it helped me Mm -hmm. to realize that you know I'm not a victim I'm a survivor and this is what I've had to do to survive and so this is something I wanted to talk about and really I don't I no longer feel ashamed when someone like when I talk about my past and what happened to me so that really changed my life and then Raw and Ooh. I was never into cannibalism films. It's not a really big thing for me. And, you know, that, that will be discussed later on. But I thought this film was so well done. It really addressed some really important issues that in, in relation to humans, uh, female sexuality, in relation to, you know, the fact of, like, devouring someone. And I just, mm. I was really moved by it. it, it the film really moved me. And I can't really, and I don't really know how to say completely how it changed my life, but it did. It did change how I perceive some films. Yeah. 
That's fair. You know, and maybe in a year or two, you'll be able to really pinpoint, oh, yes, this is exactly how Raw changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? That's fair. Uh, I never really actually thought about me as like a teenager in this scenario. I was thinking more as an adult, but I would agree on the craft. If you listen to our Buffy episode, I guess it was, we kind of touch on the craft and how it, and also my monthly pick on the craft for for Witches and Horror Month, um, it definitely helped me evolve as a, you know, a a female and going into my adulthood, just being confident and self-assured which I have been ever since. But in recent years, honestly, and maybe this is me not being incredibly introspective, but movies as movies, because I still see them as entertainment, they don't change me. They don't change my life. I may find them amazing and well done and fascinating and maybe genre changing, but they don't change me as a human being. What I think is effective at creating and promoting change are documentaries and so for me, uh, I'll, I'll mention two things. So I guess generally speaking, uh, a couple of years ago when I did buy that edition of Rue Morgue, the library edition number 10 called Women with Guts, that, that pretty much inspired the spinsters of horror journey overall. That's what I think made me open to receiving this project and being ready for it, where I could celebrate myself not only as a, a horror fan, but as a female identifying horror fan because that is important to celebrate yes and then recently i watched horror noir i went to a screening of it um in toronto and what an incredibly eye-opening film that was you know that is not my life it's not my experience so it was really amazing and it just in itself the documentary was so great all these wonderful genre actors coming together and we're talking about the craft. Rachel True has a wonderful part in it as herself, of course. Yeah. And she makes so many wonderful points. And that was just really eye-opening because, you know, as a white woman, I do not think, I don't, on like a day-to-day basis, I don't think about, you know, the plight of all these different people. So it was, a, these documentaries are really important to have so we can understand and see it from their point of view and through their eyes that we really needed horror noir. And it was a wonderful documentary, and I think everyone should see it. Moving watching, what films you what films you had low expectations but turned out amazing, and vice versa? Which ones were you really psyched for but turned out lame? <laughs> <laughs> so this first batch is still from Nicholas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for me, honestly, whenever I go into horror movies or movies out overall, I don't really go in with any expectations because if I'm interested in watching a movie, I will see it. If there are some people that I know and respect their opinions of and perhaps have critical or negative things to say about a movie, I might hold off. I don't usually see movies right off the get-go. I'm usually behind on brand new releases because of just like everything else happening in life and the project and and everything. Um, But I like to wait till the hype dies down because I do not want that to influence my movie watching, which is why I took a long time to watch Halloween and Hereditary. Um, So generally I go in with really low expectations so I can come out with like a very genuine reaction, right? Yeah. So let's say, so recently I went, the couple of movies that I went in with some 
form of expectations without having none was the void and Hagazusa. Okay. I went in having, like, being really pumped about them, and then I being, I was really disappointed by both. Um, and then recently, I was really intrigued about the new Pet Cemetery because it's in my top, the original's in my top ten. It's a seminal horror film for me. I adore the original and all of its bumps and flaws and wonderfulness. <laughs> and I left really fucking angry, and I didn't like it. And I have many, many thoughts on that. And maybe someday that'll become a thing, but maybe it doesn't have to be. But there were so many elements that I was really upset by. Um, So, and that one I was really intrigued by. Did I have high expectations? No. Did I have any expectations? Not necessarily. But I was super intrigued. And I don't go to see a lot of new horror movies in theaters, like, when they're out. Yeah. I was super intrigued and kind of pumped about this. And holy fuck, I ranted for three hours about it. And, (laughs) um, but I'll just say, recently, when I went in without any expectations, I left being so pleasantly surprised by movies like Emily, which I did a review for, The Devil's Candy. Oh, God, that movie's great. Fuck. That movie's amazing. And then Backcountry, which I'll talk about later. How about you? So, the film I went in with, I had to go in with very low expectations, was the new Suspiria. And that is because I love the original so fucking much that I knew I wanted to see this. I knew, I, and, and, and there was a lot of hype around it, but I also knew there was a lot of people who didn't like it and they and ranted about it. So I just, I remember I'd be like, no expectations, no expectations, just go in, watch the film. And I was very happy with it. I was very pleasantly surprised. I really enjoy it. I really like the new Suspiria. It is is definitely not the same as the original, but they did such a good fucking job. And I think that's something that I can say that, you know, when you do remakes or reboots, if you can do something that makes it a little bit different, just slightly, and still captivate your audience, you did a good job. So, that was Suspiria. For me... Uh, went in kind of a bit psyched and then turned out to be really lame. The new Halloween. Mm-hmm. It turned out predictable. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, you know, why? Why bother? And I know everyone gets to... It's really... Ex- yeah, thank you, Caesar. Oh, you agree? Caesar, it's time for Caesar, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know people love it. I know people are excited with the ones that are coming out in October. But yeah, you know what? I just wasn't too thrilled by it. And then the film, The Dead Don't Die. Hmm. I was actually, like, I was really, I was psyched to see this. I'm like, Bill hmm. Murray? Yes. Andrew Driver? Yes. Like, all, like, it's, Tilda Swinton? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All these great comedic people and stuff like that. This is going to be great. It what didn't, eh, yeah. it was meh. I was like, okay, this is interesting, but not, I, yeah. I wouldn't watch it again. Right. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. Um, I much prefer Halloween 2 O. Which is a conversation for probably another time, but exactly. I agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a vast variety of movies that Jess and I both agree on, which is Hereditary and Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a film where I was just like, no. yeah, it just, it, Hereditary, it, when people say this is the exorcist of our generation, I'm like, no, no, it's not. That movie it was, was predictable. hugely inappropriately marketed. And that's all I'll yeah. say. I agree. Moving on. So Nicholas also asks, since y'all are Canadian, is there any special place for Canadian horror in your hearts? And 
I will say yes, <laughs> which was not the case at first. <laughs> Originally, I did not care much for Canadian horror because oh. I actually hadn't really seen much. Oh. And I finally saw The Changeling, mm-hmm. which was one of the first films that actually really started me on this journey that I was like, I really like this movie. One of my very first books on academic on the academic books on the horror genre was the Canadian horror film Terror of the Soul. Mm-hmm. And this reading those articles and those essays about the Canadian horror genre, uh, horror Canadian horror genre, yeah, whatever, <laughs> um, really just changed my perception about it. And so, and since then, I've seen tons. Like I saw Shivers, Ginger Snaps, American Mary, The Witch, Black Christmas, Happy Birthday to Me, The Fly, Terror Train, like all movies that I've seen, I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, I do feel like Canadian horror holds a little special place in my heart because it's really good. I really enjoy it. It can be dark. Definitely. I agree. Um, and I think that would speak to anyone that is, you know, when there's horror films, you know, originating from their home country. So yes, it definitely holds a special place in my heart and I'm always up for checking out some good quality Canadian horror. And in my top five horror movies of all time is Black Christmas. So that is a truly Canadian film. Uh, so I'm always up for watching it, and some other my some other favorites are Ginger Snaps, Pontypool, America Mary, and The Changeling. So another one from Nicholas: Comparing current state of horror, be it movies made, fan attitudes, communities studying uh, studying of viewing practices, however you want to take it, what do you like about it now compared to prior decades, and what don't you like? This is a deep question. It is, and I probably took it to a place that's not even exactly what he was asking, but okay. You know, do you want me to go first? Go first, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's really two things in the in in the way that I wanted to go with that question. And number one, about film analysis. And number two, about representation and horror. So I'll go to number one. Number one, film analysis. So as someone for the vast majority of my life looked at horror from a purely entertainment, creative avenue point of view... There are sometimes I stumble across folks in social media and stuff like that that really just put down folks or have really negative attitudes towards people that want to analyze horror films. It's that whole horror isn't political, so why are you making it that way? And I either think that they haven't really thought about horror overall Maybe they don't really understand the history of horror. I don't know where those people are stemming from. I don't know what their context is. But, you know, if somebody wants to analyze horror, then I feel like they should be allowed to. And if you don't want to look at horror from a critical point of view, then don't. But don't be condescending, patronizing, or put down anybody else that decides that they want to do that. If If you feel like doesn't there's not much more to it then like blood and guts and violence and what you see on screen then fine but that is your point of view and that is your opinion and all opinions are valid and I think that these people should allow those who want to analyze horror films like us do such a thing and I haven't read that new issue of Rue Morgue but horror is political if you look back in the history of horror it from the origins of it always had something to say and whether you want to believe that or not it's just the facts of the situation right 
And I have come to even further love the horror genre because I have taken the time to look at it in a more critical point of view. And that's what makes a horror genre so absolutely wonderful because there's so much depth to it. Sometimes there isn't, sometimes there is. But that's what's so interesting about it is that you can have that diversity in it and still everyone can still enjoy it. Huh. And then well part, said. Yeah, well said. You. And then part two is, and this is something I thought about recently, it's because I had a discussion with my partner about this, it's representation and horror. So faculty of horror gets often a lot of flack about their feminist views and coming from things from a, coming at horror from a female point of view. Well, duh. That sounds dumb, <laughs> but it's just like, duh. When you are who you are, you can't help but look at things from what you identify with, right? Yeah. So, of course, if I watch something, I'm a woman. So I look at the woman characters and be like, oh, no, no, that's not realistic. It's just a naturally ingrained thing in us. So representation of all types of people in film in general, but we're talking about horror, in horror is hugely important. And as a white cisgendered female, I can still relate to male characters and gay characters and all these different characters, but it's important for me to see representation of myself in film. I want to see female characters, realistic female characters, strong female characters, because I need to see that as myself. And everybody else wants to see that for themselves. So... Again, it comes down to people being upset about all this talk about political horror and feminist horror and LGBTQ plus type horror. It's like, well, we all love horror, but we also want to see ourselves represented in the movies. And I don't think that's a lot to ask. And that is a natural human thing that we all desire because that's what we want to see when we're watching shit. Yeah. So that's where I came from in that question. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> wow. Oh man. I don't know how to top I'm not gonna I can't even top that. I'm not even gonna try it. Like I agree I agree with those statements one hundred percent. And that is one of the reasons why I enjoy the horror genre. That is one of the reasons why I embrace the horror genre finally because I was like, yes, it is a social commentary on things that are happening in the world around us. It always has been. You cannot, you know You can't escape I, it. It is I, is. That's just how it is. <laughs> That's just how it is. And I res- like I respect people who just purely just want to watch a horror film just for the sake of having a horror film. They don't want you to start going into analysis. That's cool. But yeah, respect the fact that I do. I see something in that film that I didn't realize as a really important message from the director or from the writers of those films. Mm-hmm. That's really... And, like, a prime example, Summer Party Massacre, oh. right? Everyone, like, looks at that film and, like, oh, it's so misogynistic. And But when you really think about the history of that film, the woman, the women behind it, like, the, the person who originally wrote the script, who was a feminist, and the woman behind it who's doing it, like, it's just, you're like, yeah, you can't help but see the, kind of, like, the feminist message kind of putting those tropes of, misogynistic tropes of slashers on his head. Completely. What I think about now the current state of horror I definitely see that obviously there's a huge revival in the sense that it is becoming mainstream again, you want to say, like with all the remakes with like the Halloween reboot, It coming out, um, Hereditary 
Get Out. Like, horror has definitely seen a revival and people are gobbling it up. But... And this is interesting because you're a relatively new horror fan, so I was curious as to, to see where you would uh, would go with this question. That's true. Like, I've dabbled in horror, like, <laughs> all throughout my yeah. life, but it's, yeah, in the last, like, four years, I've really, like, jumped, jumped right in. But, interesting enough, when I jumped in, I didn't go through all the... I didn't go from, like... Do you know what I mean? I don't want to say, like, I didn't start with all the stuff that the media, like, hyped up. I, like, kind of did, but then I jumped into the more obscure mm-hmm, stuff, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is the more interesting mm-hmm. stuff. I like the obscure mm-hmm. stuff. I really... I love independent horror. I think it's that is where it's really at. I yeah. don't really like when bigger movie industries get in and they do these films. Like, it just... Something about it, like I feel like the the heart is sometimes is taken out of it. Hundred percent. So I agree. That was that was for me as you're thinking. That was for me. Pet Cemetery. It was truly this. Yeah. Popcorn Hollywoodized version of the absolutely fucking fantastic original Pet Cemetery. That yes, it holds a special place in my heart. But objectively speaking, they took all of the heart and soul out of the original and made it a popcorn mainstream horror film and I don't want anything to do with you. Not that I don't love mainstream horror, but as an example, fuck you. <laughs> and I and I get and I get that there's people and like yeah, that's great. It brings people into the into the theaters and they pay more money to see the films and then we'll see more like bigger movie industries making more horror films. But then there's a part of me that sits and thinks like, yeah, but these these people are just like like I don't want to say... I feel bad saying this. I don't really want to say it, but, like, are like are they the true horror fans? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, this is so horrible, yeah. but, like, how am I trying to say, like, these are people who are just casually viewing it being like, it's like, oh, my God, did you see the new Pet Cemetery? It's so amazing. I'm like, no, did you see the original Pet Cemetery from the 1990s? Amazing film. Did you read the book? Incredible. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, no, that's too scary or that's too gory or something like that, right? Like, it's just, like... It's okay to see the popcorn film mm-hmm. and be able to talk about it around the water cooler the next day. But then, like, you know, the next day, I want to be able to go to that person and be like, hey, did you watch Hagazusa? Fuck, that was an amazing film. And they'd be like, uh, no, like, that's just weird shit, Jessica. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so that's kind of how I feel about, like, the current state of horror. It's like trying to find, like, and I know there's people out there that is like, you know, really, like, want to talk about horror and want to talk about all these other films, like, all these great independent films, these more obscure films, but I'm a little jaded by a lot of the more bigger industry films that are coming out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're already jaded. You're, like, four years in. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we, we, a lot of us can understand where you're coming from with that. It sometimes can lack heart, and for us that are really really passionate about it it's it can be sometimes challenging to watch and see and experience and be involved in for sure yeah exactly we're ready to move on on? yes i am all right so next question for nicholas is do y'all like to consume i like how he says y'all do y'all like to consume horror and other media comics books games etc if so what non-filmic horror titles are you into i'll start So, I love horror in absolutely every single medium I can possibly gorge myself on. And unfortunately, as much as I love Spencers of Horror, it does take up a lot of my time to enjoy other avenues of horror. So, 
Really, that may be more of like a personal time management thing, but whatever. Anyways, so I love horror video games, and though I have a hard time playing them because I get so goddamn scared, because it's one <laughs> thing to watch than it is to have to engage and actually be in control of what you're doing. It's a whole different ball game, and that's why I love them, but I often more watch them than play them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want, um, on Space Horror, our Space Horror Month, I did my monthly pick on Dead Space because that is my favorite horror video game franchise ever. I actually played all of those. They are horrifying and vastly interesting and fun to play. I watched uh, a whole playthrough of The Last of Us, and holy fuck, that's like life-changing gaming right then and there. <laughs> that, that game is fantastic. Jess and I both love horror board games. We both love board games overall, but fucking horror board games are so wonderful. They're so fun. But we both, yes, but we both have the same problem where we have a really hard time trying to get people to come and play them with us. (laughs) Come play board games with the spinsters. Oh my God, I wish. Like I have so many board games and so many unopened kickstarted board games that I can't even tell you how much money I've spent on them and I would really love to play them, but it's really hard to get people to actually want to sit down and play board games. It's very wholesome fun and they're beautiful and wonderful and I want to play them. So some of them that I've meant that I've loved are Dead of Winter. It's a survival horror like zombie game. Nightmare is my all-time favorite from the 90s and Betrayal at House on Haunted Hill. It's a really fun horror cooperative game. I also love horror comics. But in the last couple of years, I haven't really, I haven't read any of them. And I'm, I feel really bad about that because I absolutely love comics as a medium. I started Crossed, Outlast, The Walking Dead, Nailbiter, and the new Hellraiser comics. But I'm definitely not up to date. But I love comics and the artwork. And I just love comics overall. Uh, for myself, well, for me, really, my horror journey started with horror literature. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I grew up reading Arl Stein, Goosebumps, Fear Street, Christopher yes. Pike, Anne Rice. <laughs> then I moved into H.P. Lovecraft, yeah. Clive Barker, uh, Grady Hendrix over the last uh, year. And also his book about all like those amazing like paperback mm. horror novels from like the 70s Paperbacks and 80s and 90s. Yeah, Paperbacks <laughs> from Hell really inspired me to... Yeah you know, go, like, search out those types of horror novels and read them. And so I've been collecting, like, all the original, like, books, like Amityville Horror, The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. So I've read all those the past year. Nice. Same issue as with, like, Kelly. Like, we can't... It's hard with Spencers of Horror to be able to enjoy a lot of these other areas. I don't read enough graphic novels. I feel like I should because I do like comic books as well. Um, and I started a couple of years ago reading American Vampire, and I really like that uh, series, and I read Vampirella. Because why not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, horror video games. And like I said, Kelly and I both have a lot of horror board games. I have Elder Sign, Mansions of Madness, hmm, Lovecraft theme, much. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm just getting into horror video games myself this year. We all saw me play Dead Space and uh, <laughs> Alien Isolation, which we will probably see again. I hope so. Me try and get through those films again, but I also, you know, recently just got a switch with one of my partners and we've got like a whole list of a bunch of different horror indie video games that I'm going to uh, try out. So, excellent. That is and I'm like, "Kelly, I'm the same thing. It's a completely different experience." watching it than actually like and then being involved in it and that's kind of like me in haunted houses like <laughs> not like um like 
the Halloween haunted houses. It's a completely different experience. I cannot go into one. I literally like freeze up in the door and I'm like, fuck <laughs> this. And they're like, no, no, just keep moving. I'm like, nope, nope, I'm done. That's amazing. I literally, that will be like the, like the start of any movie I'm in. It's like, we're going into this haunted house. I'm like, nope, I'm not. And then the movie's over. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Next question. This comes from Horrorgasm. So who is your favorite classic monster and why? Do you want to start? Uh, it's pretty easy for me. It's Dracula. Oh. Enough said, guys. Like, I don't even know to say why. It's Dracula. It's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> I love vampires. So, of course, I love Dracula. Christopher Lee's Dracula. Um, Bela Lugosi. Mm. All right. So, for me, it's 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 a toss-up. It's either between Frankenstein's monster or the Invisible Man. Oh, yes. okay. Interesting. So, I have always sympathize with the plight of Frankenstein's monster. He's somebody forced into creation, struggling with his identity. I always had a lot of empathy towards him in all of his variations. Um, But then I watched, so I watched all the classic Universal monsters for most of them for the first time, probably about six or seven years ago, because I had seen Dracula like 20 years ago and loved it. Yeah. But I hadn't seen the rest of them. So I watched uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, The Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, and The Creature from Black Lagoon, and The Mummy. And The Invisible Man, I loved almost the most. Uh, It's actually pretty grim. So if you watch that movie, there's this scene where he, like, runs down the street and, like, pushes a baby carriage over. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Have you seen it? No, No, I haven't. All right. So it's... It has a lot of interesting themes about, like, it shows us, like, his descent into madness and mayhem because it kind of brings up that question of, if you were invisible, what would you do? And, you know, would you commit crimes? Would you be the same person? And it's a really interesting kind of movie and themes and interesting elements of humanity in it. And that one, when I watched all six of those, that one really stood out to me besides Frankenstein. It's alive! Like, it's so classic. But The Invisible Man, I'm, I really, really loved. And I would love to see more of that. And there's not that many uh, iterations of The Invisible Man. Next question. So JC Cooksey, who is on Twitter, at After Dark Art, says, What tropes of the horror genre drive you crazy? How do you feel about jump scares? Jess? Okay. Horror tropes. So <laughs> for a second, I'm like, I don't, I had to look up this question a bit because I was just like, wait a second, do I actually have horror tropes that I don't like in horror films? And yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> so how yeah. do I feel about, okay, so I'll start out with jump scares. So jump scares, I feel they are good if they are used sparingly, especially when you don't see it coming. When there is a film that uses it too much, I get really annoyed and I'm like, this film lacks creativity. I'm bored. I don't even like, you can just, it's just too much. You need to use jump scares very sparingly. Tropes that I find annoying, uh, the one they call the single tap. So I can't stand it when the protagonist like kills the killer and then they stand beside his body or they're somewhere like near him and you're like, <laughs> get the fuck away from him. Call the police, chop his head off, make sure that fucker's dead. And that's why I love Sydney's reaction so much at the end of screen where she shoots Billy in the head. And I'm like, mm. yes. That is what you do. You don't let them live. Careful. This is the moment when the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one last scare. (laughs) 
Not in my movie. Yep, you make sure they are 4,000% dead. Or like when they like lean over the body. You don't need to lean over the body. Stay away from the body. God. Um, investigating investigating the noise or going into a dark space. No, no, don't do that. If I hear a strange noise, I'm turning every fucking light on in my house and I'm staying where I am and hoping it goes yep. away. Like, no, I'm never going into it. You know, why would you go down the dark basement stairs? Nothing's good going to happen. Nothing good ever comes from that. Just don't do it. Just don't. Like, no. And I find no. like when no. you, and I find when films like don't do that, I'm like, yes, thank you. Don't go to the most obvious place. Make it seem like, make us work for it. Make us work for our scare. And then of course the whole like splitting up. You don't need to split up. <laughs> like... I know that these things happen so they can set up the movie for things to happen, but like I feel like they're used too often. And we need to be able to just say, no, as a group, we're gonna stick together and we're gonna figure all this out, you know? That's much more interesting than splitting up because we all know you're gonna get picked off one by one. You just made the killer's job so much easier. So much easier because we know that he knows you're where you are at at all times. Yeah, super speed, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, they teleport. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> uh, f for me, there's nothing like horror tropey that really drives me crazy. I don't care that much. Um, I agree. Jump scares, they're a classic horror element, and I welcome a well-thought-out jump scare. And I even find myself, after 25 years, falling fucking trapped to them every <laughs> once in a while. I'm like, why did I just jump? I knew that was going to fucking happen. <laughs> But I still then just have a good time with it. So I do like them. I like to be startled. If they can still do that, then I'm really happy about it. However, I do feel there's much more to creating horror and suspense than jump scares. And there are a lot of movies that exist that don't really use them. I use them very sparingly or use them really well. You know, so that's fine. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Horror Vanguard podcast definitely big fans of ours um and we're fans of yep. theirs they're huge supporters of us so they asked which film do you think deserves more love jess uh i think uh ty west is the innkeepers i think that's a film that oh yeah i've i've heard this back and forth from oh. a lot of people that it's not a film that they really like that it's not one of his best um that house of the devil house the House of the Devil? The one that's, yeah. I really like that film too. It was a really good film, but I really like Innkeepers. And to me, that was a film that I got scared. I still get scared when I watch it. It has those good moments of that jump scare that, you know, or like you just didn't see it coming. And I just really enjoy where that story is being taken. Like, does, is she like really dealing with a ghost or is there something like, is there some yeah. sort of mental illness? Like is, you know, like there's just so much wrapped up in it. And I just feel like it deserves a little more love. I'm going to agree with that. I find a lot of people, when you look at comments online and, and whatnot, there's a lot of negativity because like that wasn't scary. And the innkeepers is a labor of love and it's very subtle. Yeah. And if you're looking for a movie that's full of, whatever it is that you think you're looking for and you're not going to find it in the innkeepers and that's where i find it so wonderfully charming and fantastic but if that's what you're looking for you're not going to get in the innkeepers which doesn't make innkeepers a bad movie it's just you that's not what you were looking for i agree and it's 
beautiful and wonderful and subtle and creepy and amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So I agree. What about you? What does the film deserve? For me, always and forever until the end of time, it's Stakeland by Jim Mickle and Nick D'Amici. Yes. Yes. You talked about that in your monthly, no, a review. A review. It was a review. And then... In, in an upcoming monthly pick, I talk about another Jim Mickle film because I fucking love this director mm. so much and I wish I could hug him and I love everything he does. And he is currently working on a film adaptation of this, talking about comics, not a horror comic, but a comic series called Sweet Tooth done by Jeff oh. Lemire, which is a Toronto-based comic yeah. artist and writer. And I am screaming always <laughs> because I cannot wait because I love that comic series. I love Jeff Lemire. I'm not up to date on his stuff. I haven't been want- reading comics, but I love Jim Mickle. So Stakeland as a, vamp- a post-apocalyptic vampire film with social commentary and just all the heart and soul that he puts into his work. Everyone watch anything Jim Mickle does. Damn it. Do it. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> all right. Another question. Zombies, fast or slow, virus or magic, weird, such as films Wild Zero and Dead Alive, or realist, such as Walking Dead or the films of George Romero. What are your thoughts on zombie crushes, such as warm bodies? Oh, so that was from yes. Ash. He was a port. He's 50% of the horror vanguard. So I am of the camp that believes that zombies are truly the risen dead. Yes. And fast zombies, fast zombies are the affected, virus-infected zombies. They're not true zombies. I love them both. I fucking love them both. But if you want to be, you know, kind of technical about it, I think zombies are the risen dead. So I think both are scary, but fast zombies are fucking terrifying because the slow ones are very (laughs) non-threatening. Of course, they can, like, spring up out of nowhere and get you. But when they are chasing after you, no. No thanks. That's when, like, I would just kill myself. Because what's the point of in trying to survive? (laughs) I said running zombies, hell to the no. Like, nope. Yes. (laughs) So the affected or, like, virus-infected zombies are really... They're based on primal instincts, which I think makes them scarier, but I don't think they're necessarily zombies. So I love Lucio Fulci's zombie. It's my favorite zombie movie. But I also love Wreck, slightly a spoiler, or 28 Days Later. And I saw Warm Bodies. I thought it was adorable. I don't have any strong feelings here nor there about that type of stuff, but I thought that movie was adorable. Uh, so yeah, for me, um, the zombie genre is, like, my least favorite of the horror genre. I'm not really a huge fan of zombies, but ones I do watch, I do love, like I said, Kelly said, I love Lucio Fulci's Zombie, such a really good film. I do like Romero, George Romero's three original films. I, I, I completely got mixed up again, but yeah, I agree with Kelly that zombies are of the risen dead and then like the virus viruses are the more affected one i really like the more realist type zombies running zombies no freaking way zombie crushes okay so i hadn't seen warm bodies um i haven't watched santa clarita diet the santa clarita diet Mm. but for Mm -hmm. me I, i feel like a relationship with a zombie not really appealing 
it's a it's a rotting corpse. <laughs> it's dying. It's already dead. It just keeps rotting. It may eat you. So I don't know. Like I feel like if a vampire was gonna eat me, it'd be a little different. Unless it was like one of the vampires from Thirty Days of Night. Then yeah, I'm fucked. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. When it comes to the zombie genre, I, I like more of like Fulci and Romero zombies. Our last question comes from Brian Christopher or on Twitter at Evil Taylor Hicks, and he asks. Which horror franchise with four or more movies has the most movies that you enjoy? Well, it took me a while to think about this question because I was like, wait, I like this film, this film series. Oh, wait, there's not four movies in this one. Um, But the ones I do enjoy are Scream, Alien, and Subspecies. Those are my four, my three. (laughs) Subspecies is fantastic. If folks haven't watched that, if you want a really fantastic, gothic, low-budget vampire series, please watch <laughs> Full Moon's Subspecies. Seriously, talk about something yeah, that needs more yeah. love. <laughs> what about you? Uh, for me, there's two that's the same, which are Scream, Alien, and my third one is Paranormal Activity. Ah, okay. So you haven't seen any I of those, right? I have seen the first one. That's the only one I've seen. Okay. So I think from by now, there's like yeah. eight <laughs> films. Whatever. There's many of them. And I like all of them so much. Mostly the earlier ones I love, but I like all of them. They all horrify me and I enjoy all of them. So Scream, Paranormal Activity, and Alien. Whenever Giles sends me on a mission, he always says, please. And afterwards, I get a cookie. So that's it for listener request questions. So... We're soon going to be wrapping up things, but a couple of last things we want to talk about is for a long time on our bio section on the website, we had our top five horror films. And I think when you look at Jess and I's top five list, you can kind of tell, again, the differences and some similarities that we have within what we find are our absolute favorite horror movies. So Jess, what are your top five favorite horror movies? Top five favorite horror movies are the original Suspiria, 100%. The Witch, The Void... A new one is Hagazusa and The Changeling, because The Changeling started it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you added Hagazusa to your top five horror films I of all did. time? I really liked it. Wow, really liked that that's that's scandalous. I, it, you know what? It just it's folk horror, and I like. I'm I'm finding. I think I'm I'm interested in folk horror <laughs> more now. <laughs> so Hagazusa took the place of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, it did. It did. Wow, we don't have time no, to get don't. into all of this. <laughs> But, wow, that's that's amazing and really, really interesting. One day we'll talk about it. Maybe when you're here yeah, next exactly. weekend. <laughs> My top five favorite horror films are The Exorcist, Wreck, which is the only new one, Black Christmas, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Alien. And Alien is now 100% my all-time favorite horror movie. Do you even have an all-time favorite yet, Jess? Do you need some more years? I think to I, I think I need that? a couple more years. If I were to say like my if I were mm. to say like right now, my all-time favorite it's The Witch. Mm-hmm. Mm. But mm-hmm. I think I need a couple more years and I think I, that may change. Interesting. All right. So, we're going to talk briefly about a couple of recently enjoyed horror films whether they're new old just something that we you know watched in this past month where we didn't have to watch a whole bunch of movies for the podcast so what kind of things were you watching this so month? this month I, I thought i was gonna watch more than i did i was like okay i'm gonna watch a bunch of new things and stuff like that and just life happened but 
I did get to watch uh, Hagasuza, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. I ended up watching Netflix's mm. The Perfection, which pleasantly surprised me. So that was one that I went in with kind of no expectations, and I was really, really pleased by it. Stranger Things, to me, that's horror related because it's Stranger Things. So binge watch that in one night, peoples. <laughs> <laughs> so Jess and I definitely both love Stranger Things. So that's something we can relate on and talk talked a bunch about because we both binge watched that or both huge Stranger Things fans because it's fucking Stranger Things like if you don't like it I don't even know who you are and what you're doing with life (laughs) The House of the Devil recently watched that and I started the film Little Evil on Netflix and fell asleep so I need to go back and finish it (laughs) that was like a (laughs) horror comedy thing there yes that one's super fun yeah, and then The Invitation. I watched that, which mm. which is an interesting film. The ending, yeah, the ending definitely uh, took, like, I like I saw it coming, but yet at the same time, too, I didn't. Like, I got to that point in the film where it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, he, he is crazy. And I was like, oh, no, wait, he was right the whole time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. How about yeah, you? Yeah, that ending is intense. Yeah, it is. Intense. Yeah, I'm glad you watched it. Karen Kusama is incredible. Yeah, and I totally forgot that that was one that she had done. Mm-hmm. I was like, not until like the end I saw the credits. I was like, oh, yes, of course this film would be good. Right? She is high caliber. Yes. How about uh, you? For me, yeah. for me, I, I already talked about Horror Noir. I didn't watch that this month, but it was in the last couple of months. It was something that deserved notice. Um, a couple of uh, Canadian horror films since we're talking about it. So Adam McDonald is a writer-director in Canada who did Pie Wacket who I I did a review on many months ago. It was probably Witches and Horror Month because it's with regards to uh, witch-related themes. But sadly, I fell asleep during the end of it and I did not have time to re-watch it. So my review definitely could have been a lot fucking better because I really, really enjoyed that movie. It's heartbreaking and spooky as hell and it's beautiful and I really did like it. Which, because there was a screening in in Toronto of it, so I watched it for a second time with Adam McDonald in attendance, and he's so charming and funny and sweet and very Canadian. Which led me to watch his, uh, I think it was his first movie called Backcountry, and it's just like this, it's, it's horror, but it's like nature, like horror survival. It's not spooky, it's all nature, it's nature survival, and these... This couple goes out camping and they get lost. There's a fucking bear and good luck. And that is true final girl material if I've ever seen that it. That is horrifying. If you can come back from the dead, like the isolation of the Canadian wilderness with a bear on your tracks and survive? Shit. <laughs> so I am a full convert onto Adam McDonald right now. And then last night, I I watched a whole bunch of movies this past month. I actually was able to watch a bunch, but I'm limiting it. Uh, I rewatched Attack the Block last night because I found it on Amazon Prime. And oh, that movie. Oh, that movie. It has so many things in it. Teenagers going against evil. We all know that I love (laughs) this. I talk about it constantly. Aliens is perfect, amazing creature design amazing acting there's a lot of social commentary in it it's from the uk there's a lot of like violence and gangs and poverty and stuff anyways it's a fantastic movie and also the origins of 
His the actor's name is I think it's Jim Bodego. Oh god, he's in all the Star Wars movies oh, now, and I'm okay. sorry that I just yes. messed up his I name. Know who you're talking about. He's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. So I if you haven't seen Attack the Block, I definitely recommend it. What's that like to live deliciously? Yes. What's that like to see the world? What will you from me? We have come to the end of this lovely chat with the spinsters that we're reflecting over the last year, answering your questions that you post to us on Twitter, and just having a good chill time, because, you know, next month we get right back to work. Um, in terms of, like, my final thoughts, like, over the past year, like I said, it's been wonderful. I did not expect the reception. I'm getting a little choked up. I did not ex expect the reception we have gotten from people and accept, like in accepting us into the horror community. Like, I feel like even though all these people are all on Twitter and like, I don't see them like day to day in my life, but I do, I, I see them every day on Twitter and I see the comments and I see the things we share uh, with each other and you know, like, when I listen to the horror version and Jennifer's talking about our podcast, I'm literally like walking on the street and I'm crying because I'm just like, oh my gosh, she's talking about our podcast. <laughs> like, I'm just some 34 year old Canadian woman who is just talking about what she loves and just to, for people to be so awesome and open to letting us do that and engaging with us and also like giving us ideas and giving us shout outs and, you know, and I love being able to do that for other people. And I just, you know, want to thank everyone i want to thank kelly for you know jumping on this journey with me and all the hard work she puts into promoting us and getting us out there and talking to people about our podcast um and then like you know and i want to thank all like my friends who have supported me over the last like year like you know i really appreciate how they understand like how busy i get and they understand you know my partners where they know like essentially one week of every month i'm not available like i'm busy working on the podcast i'm editing i'm getting it released and that means a lot to me the fact that they listen to it the fact because these these people don't like horror but they still listen to it and they still give ideas and i really appreciate that um you know i want to shout out to like brandon for fuck all the amazing beautiful artwork he does for our podcast and for all these ideas so yeah, I'm just gonna. I just I could just keep going on and on and on because I've had two beers and I'm just like woo. <laughs> but I just want to you know thank everyone for an amazing year of supporting us and helping us to do what we love. And I'm really excited for the next year and I'm really excited for the next six months because we've got some killer stuff gonna come out, guys. So yeah. Okay, my final thoughts. It's been one hell of a ride. In the last year, I have learned so much. I have gained even more appreciation for the horror genre. I have gained more appreciation for individual horror films and franchises, like in particular the Alien franchise. My God, just things that that I had these like aha moments, that moment of realization, like the parallels between Ripley and Buffy, amazing women in horror that are so incredibly similar that I cried when I realized how intertwined and similar their lives and, the, and their, their own journeys are as women in horror. And turning into a bit of a horror writer, which I did not think would be a thing that happened, and becoming smarter 
more in tune with myself, more in tune with the horror genre, still enjoying it for its entertainment value, but enjoying it as a more like well-rounded individual. And I love it. I love it even more in the last year than I have for 25 years. I want to... I want to thank Jess, who I said is the heart of this project, who approached me to, and she's the one that really made this happen. You really are the one that made this happen. You're like, you're like, hey, we should do this together. And I think this is has been this wonderful bonding experience for us, which there's no words, right? <laughs> I want to thank my partner, Brandon, who is a new, relatively new partner, I guess, of mine, anyways, for his absolutely full support and collaboration on making our promotional materials and doing photo shoots. Guys, we've got some things planned for you. <laughs> Keep, you know, stay tuned. I want to thank Valeska and Joe from Grim Magazine and Anatomy of a Screen for their absolute support from the beginning. They share our work regularly and they've always been there behind us 100%. I wanna thank Jess Hersick for our logo. Again, I can't thank her enough. She's so wonderful and it was so brilliant, the work that she put together for us. I wanna thank Dance the Dead, officially, Justin, who I know personally, allowing us to use that amazing music in our podcast because we both love synthwave yeah. <laughs> and it was so perfect and I get so pumped anytime I listen to our podcast episodes about that music. I want to thank all of our fans, all of our supporters, all of my newly made friends within the genre because I used to be isolated in my fandom with horror and now I have all these people around me that I can share it with and enjoy it with and talk about it with. And Jess is not the only person, but it's been amazing to watch her journey throughout horror, going from one kind of crazy quote-unquote horror movie <laughs> a year to being a true convert, and I'm so proud of her, and I'm so happy for her because I've been trying to do this for 20 years. <laughs> uh. I want to thank those that have helped edit my work, which is Jess, uh, Jessica Curtis, who's a huge fan of the Horror Virgin, and my friend Kelly McNeely. Thank you so much for doing that. You know, this project has become a very beloved hobby of mine. The exploration into my favorite genre has been eye-opening, inspiring, thrilling, and more. I've seen more movies in the past year than perhaps many years combined previously, which is invaluable to me and I keep writing for it I'm expanding more into my writing and it's been really really interesting and I think helps me just generally speaking become a more well-rounded professional and person and I can take this experience and writing and whatever into my career which is also really important to me and going forward in life <laughs> the thank you yeah so yeah everything Kelly said and double that from me <laughs> Thank you, everyone. So that ends episode 13 of I Spit on Your Podcast and our anniversary episode. Once again, we want to thank Dance with the Dead for our intro and outro music, Ropies, and Brandon for all his work on our promotional materials. And all you listeners, we want to remind you to follow us on the website at spinstersofhorror.com. You'll see lots of changes coming in the next six months. Uh, Facebook at Spinsters of Horror. 
We're also on Twitter at Horror Spinsters. We're on Instagram at Spinsters of Horror. As well, please rate and review us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and any podcasting app you listen to us on. And as a reminder, we do have merch. So please visit TeePublic to purchase our t-shirts and buy stickers from our shop. We also, brand new as of now, have a donation button on our homepage. So if you want to help spread our horror love, then please do so. We greatly appreciate the help. And so next month, we tackle cannibalism in horror. And we talk about the ideas of humans as meat and how this relates to our beliefs on animal rights. And so the movies that we'll be discussing will be The Hills Have Eyes, the original one, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, also the original one. So until then, remember, the future of fear is female. 